Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. When he was in his early 30s, our guest today was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer and given two years to live. That was 19 years ago. It hasn't been an easy journey with cancer returning on multiple occasions. And joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, to tell his remarkable story is former police officer Jason Berger. Jason, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. But before we get into your story, do you miss not being a cop? I feel like that's a loaded question because I miss the camaraderie, but in today's environment and the way, you know, I always thought that we had a a target on our back and that target is much more bigger now. And when Mm -hmm. I took the test for independence police, there was a maximum of 200 applications given out. And if you and I scored the same on the test, it came down to who got the application in first. This last test, I'm told maybe, maybe 40 applications were taken, maybe 20 passed the actual test, 10 passed the background test, and five went to another department. And they had to choose from five other ones. And they're actually getting lateral transfer out because nobody wants to be a cop. And in this environment, I don't blame it. And I would not take the test today. No way. So no, I don't miss it. Yeah. What was your attitude toward cannabis when you were in the police force? Very lean. If somebody got a, you know, took a joint off somebody, even had a bag of it, it was, to me, I thought that was a sissy, sissy arrest. Yeah. Okay, let's get into your story. At the end of September of this year, September 27th, I believe, you will be celebrating your 19th year of living after you're told you only had two years to live. What has this journey been like for you? been a walk in the park. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's been, you know, I got to tell you when I was first diagnosed, as you can imagine, I was scared to death and I was newly married and my ex-wife had some connections at the Cleveland clinic. I was able to get in with a great neuro-oncologist, Dr. Pierboom, who's fantastic. And they gave me this very, very aggressive form of chemotherapy called blood brain barrier disruption. And it beat me up bad. Plus, I had horrible rounds of chemotherapy where I had horrible interactions with with anesthesia, waking up early, gagging, and vomiting on the tube. One time leading to aspirated pneumonia, which I had no idea was that painful. And in that time frame, between my first and second chemos, my new wife took me to go see a local faither, Dr. Isam Nimi. And it was actually on our one-year wedding anniversary. And because I was so out of it, like I had Tourette's, I was swearing like crazy. I was rude. And we couldn't go in our night, so we went to this local steakhouse on Rockside Road in Independence. And I was just being a maniac. I'm not going to bore you with the story about that, but it was an issue with me not being able to get out of the bathroom stall because I was so out of it. And uh, anyways, we go to this local faith dealer and he lays hand lays hands on me and i'm i'm mf in this place up and down and he had no idea why i was there 
I've got one treatment under my belt. And as I walk up there, and I, I've been watching from the back of the church, and just like you see on the movies or on TV, he laid hands on these people, they go down like a sack of potatoes. And I'm yelling from the back of the church, this is this is bullshit, you guys are a bunch of snake oil salesmen. And I'm yelling at Jen, get me out of here. And with a lot more expletives in there. And it's my turn to go up there. And as I approach this smaller man, I'm 6'1", about 200 pounds. And uh, he was probably, I don't know, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and standing to his left, my right was his wife. Standing to his right, my left was this little Irish nun. And as we walk up there, his wife starts losing her balance. And she says, oh, something's going on with this guy. And I said, you know what? You get the Academy Award. This broad, and I, I look at the doctor. I said, this broad needs your help way more than I do. And she grabs him by the face. And she says, you need to focus on the crucifix. And she turns my, my head. And this doctor goes right up to my head. Again, he has no idea why I'm there. And he, he, his wife, and this nun pray over me. And after about 10 minutes, he opens his eyes and said, you're going to be fine. Your brain tumor is gone. I smack him on the shoulder. I said, okay, doc, I'm out of here. And I go to turn around to leave. And the church is filled with police officers I work with in Independence and their family. In a, uh, Valley View police officers from my first department and their family's praying over me. So I walk up to Jen. And I said, uh, she says, what do you say? I said, it's said my brain tumor is gone. Let's get the F out of this place. And we're walking out and the nun comes up and she said, excuse me. Again, guys, to a nun, I would never speak like this, especially in a church. Never. And she said, excuse me, what brought you here today? I said, I don't know, sister, what the fuck brought you here today? And she looks at Jen. She says, what's going on? He's, she says, well, he's got this rare form of brain cancer. We don't know. His prognosis is horrible. We thought we'd give it a shot. And the nun asks her, she said, what's it, something significant about today? And she says, well, today's our one-year wedding anniversary. And she said, I knew a miracle was going to happen today. It happened with her husband. Please let us know when next, what your next MRI says. And she says, well, we got an MRI this week. So a couple of days later, we're going for the MRI. And my neuro-oncologist looks like you saw a ghost. And he said, how do you feel? I go, I'm fucking great, doc. How do you feel? You don't look so good. And he said, I've never, I've never seen this before. I've never heard of this before, this disease. This is going down in the history books. And I, he pulls up the MRI of last month. So if you ever see the MRI of the brain, it looks like butterfly wings. Mm -hmm. And it's all black. That's good. If you see any white on there, it's used scar tissue or some sort of lesion or, or tumor. And mine was described to me as if someone injected a dye into a gel mold, infiltrated throughout my whole brain. That whole butterfly wing was completely white. And that was last month. And he showed me the one this morning that I took, and it was completely clear, not, not one speck of white on it. And I smacked him on his shoulder. I said, okay, no more treatments. And he said, now nah, we're going to still, still do the full 24 treatments because MRIs can't see microscopically. So we go back to my in-law's house, and I know I was, I was a handful. And, of course, they're waiting for the results. And I come in like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go well and I, I got my arms over my hands I go fucking gone baby fucking gone 
And my ex mother was like, that's it. I, I can't take this anymore. And Jen starts crying. She, she goes, no, it's really gone. They're all crying. And I can't grasp the gravity of the situation because I'm so out of it. And then two days later, I woke up. I said, Jen, I'm better. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I know yesterday I could not stop swearing and being a jerk. I go, I'm telling you, I'm better. And from that day on, I got better and better and better. Wow. That is a remarkable story. Now, how many times over the course of the last 19 years has your brain cancer returned? Four more times. Four more times. And tell me, you told this story about your, you being clear of, of brain cancer. Then it comes back. How does that affect you mentally? Because this disease is so insidious and they had no cure for it, I just, I just thought, you know what? I mean, am I going to die? Is this, you know, do people have relapses? And I got on this, this global Facebook group with this disease. And, like, and I, I don't know if I explained how rare this disease. It's so rare, it's less than 4% of all brain lymphomas worldwide. And generally, at the time, those in 04 that had this disease had either AIDS, HIV, had an organ transplant, or elderly that rendered them all immune compromised. And I had none of this. So for me to get this disease even more rare, even more rare, generally starts in the eyes and moves to the brain. My opposite brain in the eyes, and unfortunately I'm blind in my left eye because the eyes are part of the central nervous system. They're just that's the only part of the brain that's not inside the skull. It's exposed. Hmm. Uh, back to your question. Uh, when I had my first two chemos, I had uh, I had blood-brain barrier disruption. About three to four days when I get home from the, the hospital, it felt like I had played backyard tackle football. Every muscle, every joint, mouth sores, nose sores, uh, number two hole, like I was shitting razor blades. It was horrible. And then my second one, it was the same thing, all the same same side effects. Like I played backyard tackle football with no pads on. Every muscle and joint was sore. And I had my third relapse, and that's when I found cannabis oil. I made my own FICO. And I found that because the girl I was dating at the time, her dad had pancreatic cancer. And I, I, had, I had stopped looking for alternative treatments because I was doing so well. And uh, I wanted something for him, so I, I went online looking for alternatives, and I came across Rick Simpson oil, and they uh, run from the cure story. And uh, I had to go back to all my buddies I grew up with that are all in and out of jail and buy some vegetative material and make my own. And I didn't get it lab tested. And he didn't like the way it tasted. Pancreatic cancer from diagnosis to death, 36 days. I never saw anybody physically or mentally decline as fast as he did. And now he's gone. And then I get my third relapse. And I started taking the oil and I had to go through treatment again, our chop with followed up target radiation and like a walk in the park. Like I never had chemotherapy at all. Complete game changer. Mm. How much uh, oil were you taking a day and were you doing that all orally and were you doing it more than once a day or what was your protocol, please? I was taking probably three to four grains of rice three to four times a day of the RSO. And then 
I was taking suppositories. I was vaping. I was doing edibles. I was taking it every which way you possibly could. Mm, good. I mean, I want to attack it from all angles. Yeah, hitting it as hard as you could then. Yep, yep. When did you start to notice a difference, or did you, when you started using cannabis? Well, I mean, after my first chemotherapy appointment, I'm like, you know, three or four days later, where's, where's these mouth sores? Where's this aches and joint pains? And all, it just never showed up, ever. Awesome. Heck yes. Yeah. So then for my next relapse, I got it. And then when I, I had the fifth relapse, you know, nobody, nobody's, I it just got discovered, not just about a year or two ago, nobody that we know of in this global Facebook groups had more than five relapses or had five relapses. And uh, it came out that I'm also potentially the fourth longest living survivor of all time in this disease. My goal is to be the longest. So when I had this last relapse, the Cleveland Clinic was out of options for me. So we, we were flying and driving around looking for the best place to get it done. And when these doctors would meet me and read my health history, it didn't add up because I looked so healthy. And, uh, and they all were calling me the outlier. You know, you're quite the outlier, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's pretty badass. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be that guy because they have no idea how to treat you. So I, uh, I had the stem cell transplant done at MSK, Mamone Soul and Kettering, New York. And I met, so there's this great organization called Hope Lodge. Hope Lodge is a completely free service for cancer patients or caregivers to stay in a hotel with other cancer patients for free and you get a free shuttle to and from Hope Lodge to MSK to get your treatments and free shuttle back. And as we were walking around this facility, I asked the intake lady, I said, hey, uh, what's your policy here on cannabis? She goes, well, we're starting to get more open to it, but it's still not you know, widely accepted, blah, 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 because it's not legal in the state or whatever it was. All right, she goes, actually, it's legal uh, medically, but it's not rec, rec- legal. Mm-hmm. So she goes, well, there's, there's a, so there's an area in the kitchen, yeah, it's a shared kitchen. And she said, there's, there's, a, there's this woman here who's a big advocate of it. I'm sure you'll meet her here. Her name is Donna. So we're walking through the kitchen, the, the common space, and I see Donna. There's no doubt this is Donna. This is my Donna I'm going to talk to. And I just got off the phone with, off the phone with her, actually, before this phone call. And- I was talking to her and she sent me with her doctor there in, in New York to get registered for medical marijuana in the state. And I got it. And the, because of a stem cell transplant, nobody wanted to use it, wanted, wanted me using it. And uh, I had horrible, horrible mouth sores. I mean, all the, all the same aches and pains that I was worried about. But because they eradicated my immune system to zero, they were afraid that it could do something to me. So I acquiesced. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay off of it. And then when I, I was there for three months and I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I got, I got to start getting something. So I just started taking CBD and then I started getting a full spectrum tinctures and I can't recall the THC content in it. But when I, when I went to the uh, dispensary, they've got a on scene pharmacist there. It's by law in New York. And at one point, I was a student ambassador at Cleveland School of Cannabis, and I, I walk in there and I said, I'm not your average patient. I know more about this subject than most that come in here, 
And we started talking. She goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you know, way more than I do. <laughs> and I said, well, I go, this is what I want. This is what I need. And she's like, all right. And that's what she set me up with. And, uh, I just, so, so from that stem cell transplant, this past April 24th was four years and I just had a, so the Cleveland Clinic doctor agreed to work hand in hand with MSK doctor. So I don't have to keep flying back out there to get MRIs and blood work. And when we get the MRI here, my doctor here in, at the clinic will read it, give me the results, and then we'll take the disc and we'll send it to MSK, have a Zoom meeting with that doctor. And just two weeks ago, we had that meeting and he said, I'll confirm what your doctor at the clinic, your MRI looks great. And I asked him straight up. I said, hey, uh, do you know of any other patients with this disease that's had as much chemotherapy as I've had? He said, I don't. And then what he said next kind of, kind of surprised me. He said, the fact that you and I are able to have a conversation is truly remarkable because the amount of chemotherapy you had and the areas of your, your brain that was damaged, it does not make sense and you and I can have, have a conversation right now. So again, I read so much how neuroprotective cannabis is for the brain. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't believe it's the magic bullet, but I do believe it's a huge part of my longevity and I do believe it's a huge part of my ability to speak like I can now because I can't recall in our conversation. Um, I'm, I didn't say this yet. So after we hung up, I reflected back. And I thought to myself, at one point, I could not speak. At one point, I could not see. And at one point, I could not walk. And here I am doing all three. Now, I will say this. I did do some pretty intensive, it's called brain boot camp. And uh, Kemper Cognitive Wellness Center, Dr. Nate Bergman put this together for early onset Alzheimer's dementia patients who stop or reverse the cognitive decline. And then he had such success with it, he expanded out to TBI patients, traumatic brain injury, which I fall in that category. So I went out there as me and these upper 70s, upper 80-year-olds that are early onset Alzheimer's dementia. And to watch these people physically and mentally flourish after doing these exercises, and I know personally I've gotten a lot better, I, I attribute a lot of that to them too. And... There's one guy there, he's an 84-year-old guy, Bob, he's fantastic. He had a great line. I said, Bob, it's good to see you. He said, I'd rather be seen than viewed. I use that every time I go somewhere. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but he is a staunch proponent of cannabis. He said, I used to be in charge of the buses and the, the, the school systems. I couldn't stand the way that smells. I could I said, Bob, I'm going to convert you. He said, no, you're not. No way. And he, he likes to drink his uh, Manhattans. And I said, and I, I gave him the whole history about the alcohol prohibition, the whole yards, and, and he's like, I, you're not going to turn me. I, I just hate the plant. I hate the way it smells. So I want to ask you guys, is there any way we can get that smell to calm down a little bit that you know of? <laughs> Actually, uh, we, we, we do. Uh, there's a fellow we're working with in Minneapolis who's developed a product. Uh, it's a spray. Uh, it's right here. It's called Nixed 420, and he's working on getting it into Costco and Sam's Club in the U.S. And uh, Corey and I, uh, he's given us the ability to uh, market it in Canada and elsewhere. And uh, there's 800 sprays in this little bottle. And what it does, it um, eliminates the smell of cannabis. 
Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mask it. It's it's not it's not like these sprays that mask. It actually eliminates it. Yeah, and uh, so uh, Jason, after I'll send you a bottle of it, and uh, if you want, do you do you smoke it? I vape the flower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there there is a way to do that with the, this product, Next Four Twenty. But it's interesting. Your story is really really interesting because from where you've gone without having the ability to walk, without having the ability to talk and communicate. And now you flourish. And the interesting thing is, Jason, we've interviewed more than 20 people around the world with brain cancer. All of them, with the exception of one, is still alive today. They're all alive. The biggest fear they have is getting a scan. Scanxiety. Mm-hmm. Scanxiety. It's real. Yeah. Because of the endocannabinoid system, there are more CB1 receptors in the brain than all the receptors in the body combined. And that is why cannabis works so well in brain cancers. Yeah. When was the last time you had a recurrence of your brain cancer? October 16, 2018, I had a grand mal seizure at four o'clock in the morning out of nowhere. And uh, I was rushed to a local trauma hospital, Metro. I was intubated. I was in life flight including clinic, and I was in a, a grand mal seizure almost five hours. And Liz went with me, and she's been a godsend. And she, they asked her, what is Jason's allergic reaction to Dilantin, which was the first anti-seizure med that I had? And she said, it makes his arms itch. And she said, they gave me Dilantin, and, and it shut off my seizure like a light switch. Because because of the arms itching, that could lead to another allergy, which is anaphylaxis, that shut my throat. But I was already intubated, so they weren't worried about that. Mm-hmm. So that was that led to my fifth relapse. So is that the longest period? You know, 2018, that's five years. Is the five-year period the longest you've gone without a relapse? No, I, I had a good stretch from 2007 to 2014. And like the Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying, I traveled, I partied, I, I cashed out my retirement, I bought my dream boat, and I wasn't living a very anti-cancer lifestyle. I was boozing like crazy because that's all I knew. That's, all, that's, that's what I thought was, that was how you're supposed to celebrate, get drunk. And that's what I did. Vegas, a couple times. Mexico, a couple times. Nashville, a couple times. Sang on stage in Vegas, Nashville, Putin Bay, which is the islands off in, in northeast, northwest Ohio. And uh, I, uh, I, just, I just went crazy because I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read a quote of yours. You said, I always heard people say, cancer is the best thing to ever happen to me. I would think to myself, are you out of your mind? Now I'm one of those people. So do you still think that it's one of the best things that happened to you? It's given you an appreciation for life, hasn't it? Hands down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's certainly questioned my, my purpose on earth. And I believe I found it. I've always been a good storyteller and I got one of the best stories I've ever heard. And I'm heard on, I'm told how inspirational is. So I'm going to take my God given gift of being a storyteller and use it to inspire others and share my story. As I'm told, I'd be doing myself and the world a disservice if I failed to share my story. Absolutely. And that's because what- when I was first diagnosed, you know, these people are dropping like flies and they, they still are. A lot of people are with this disease are not, they're not getting the proper treatments and they're dying. 
And what bothers me is if MSK, Memorial Sloan Kettering, and Mass General in Boston are both using the same three chemotherapy agents for the stem cell transplants, which is very aggressive, and a lot of patients can't handle it, but they're having tremendous success, and these others aren't, and I mean, they take you to the brink, to the brink of dying and bring it back. And, uh, and I know it's firsthand. It is very, very aggressive. But again, some people handle it like a walk in the park. And I, I, apparently I'm a sissy because it was rough on me. And it's just sad to watch these people dying on this global Facebook page because they're not getting the proper treatment. Jason, this may sound like a dumb question, but when you dream... Do you dream of dying? Ian, are you aware that cannabis, so maybe it's, so cannabis is so well used for PTSD for soldiers and even, you know, first responders. Yep. It makes you not remember things. Mm-hmm. I can't recall the last dream I remembered because <laughs> I use so much cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's good. So when you use the cannabis, have you ever tried it, uh, tried suppositories? Yep. So there's some debate on that. There's a great doctor in California that I was working with, and he said, who told you that works? I said, anecdotally, a lot of people say it's great. He said, medicine wasn't made to go in that orifice. And I said, well, they make suppositories for other things. Why wouldn't they use it for this? So there's a big debate on there whether suppositories work or not. I don't know if they do or not, but I was using them. I stopped using them, but I will. I may make them again because, again, there's no high at all, as we all know. Yeah, Corey, what was that European study that came out about the effectiveness of uh, of THC and CBD using 100, suppositories? Yeah, 100 times stronger for THC, 250 times stronger for CBD when administered rectally. And what study was that? I don't know the name of the study off the top of my head, but I I would like to get that so I can send it to that doctor. Yeah, we'll see if we can find it. It was um, Boshadar. Yeah, interesting. And where was that doctor out of? I don't know where the doctor was. It was a study that was quoted to us in an interview we we did uh, with uh, the Serbian researcher. Well, that's great. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to read that. Yeah. And pass it on, share it. So the other thing is, when I was at MSK, I vowed that I'd be very active in a full legalization in the state of Ohio, and once that passed, coast to coast. And I also vowed to educate every medical personnel that came to my door on the ECS and on cannabis. And to the point where the infectious disease guy was so enamored and enthralled with my knowledge of this, he goes, man, I get off at five o'clock. You mind if I come back? He came back after he got off work for two hours and we, we talked for two hours. He goes, this is incredible. I was never taught this. I know. And doctors, uh, I think one of the, one of the failings of the cannabis community is the use of the word stoner. I don't like the term stoner because to me it's analogous to someone who is a wine connoisseur saying they're a drunk and i think uh, those people who are opposed to cannabis use the term stoner 
Like you're just, oh, you just want to get stoned and get high. And uh, I think that does a disservice to the use of cannabis. How do you feel about that? Same thing. I, I think Cheech and Chong did a horrible disservice to the cannabis plants. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think they're funny, uh, but they pose that stereotype that when people hear about cannabis, they think of that image. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're lazy, you're this, you're that. And in my Toastmasters group, there's a, there's a, uh, a beer aficionado. And he said, you know, how would you be in this room if you were on cannabis? I said, you're looking at it right here, right now. He said, you're stoned? I said, I didn't say I was stoned. I said, I'm using the plant like it's made to plant like a medicine. There is a medicinal dose that doesn't have to get you high. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, on September, I believe it's 27th, you'll be 19 years, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, 19 years. How are you going to celebrate that day? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I know the following year will be 20 years, and I am going to have a bash. <laughs> 20 years, man. Oh, I know. It's uh, <laughs> it's incredible. I guess. Think- I think your story, I mean, you use the word remarkable. I think it is remarkable, given all you've been through, uh, the relapses and uh, the chemotherapy, which should have killed you. You shouldn't be dead from the chemotherapy. And uh, I think it's absolutely remarkable that you're alive and not only alive, but you're thriving. And that is the key. And uh, Corey and I wish you well and uh, hope that... uh, you reach 30 instead of 19. Why stop at 30? Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, we'll, so p- we'll party I, I, at 30. I, I've got a website that's in its infancy. I still need to upload the photos and the videos for my stem cell transplants called murrayroadstrong.com. So Murray, like Bill Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, road, R-O-A-D, Murray Road Strong. Like, you're not weak, you're strong. Murrayroadstrong.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I'm writing a book called Memoirs of Murray Road, where I grew up, which is, you know, was, if you ever saw that movie, Aaron Brockovich, or the other one called Dark Waters, both based around two stories, this, I was, the neighborhood was at the base of a toxic landfill. And these companies dumped chemicals that came down the hill into our well water. And the brain cancer and liver and colon cancer, which killed my mom in 01, were off the charts. Now, the kids that I grew up with having kids those kids are having issues with their health and their immune systems. And it's being traced back to the parent that grew up on those sushis. My ex-wife was pregnant twice, lost them both, one in eight weeks, one in 12 weeks, probably a blessing in disguise because who knows what kind of issues that kid would have had. Yeah. Jason, wonderful story and congratulations. And we wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already, and we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. 
Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.